All right, let's turn the Word of God to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. While you're doing that, I'm going to correct the temperature on these. I'm not going to get it from here. Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll be looking at the first uh, couple of verses here. All right. I want you to be fired up, but I just don't want you to be hot. Ta-da. Huh? Thought I'd at least get an amen out of Sister Sherry there. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's begin there. And we're only going to read verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Say this in the Word of God. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your goodness and uh, uh, grace. Lord, we thank you uh, for the missionaries that are with us. And Lord, we just pray you continue to bless them and meet their needs. Uh, Dear Lord, and watch over them as uh, they go up and down the road traveling to churches. Lord, we pray for their children as they're in a Bible college and uh, where they are, God, uh, please bless them and watch over them and keep them close to you as well. Lord, we thank you for the needs uh, that we have this morning, Lord. No doubt there's somebody here listening uh, that needs to be saved, somebody we're praying for that needs to be saved. Lord, we pray the Holy Spirit would work in those hearts and open those hearts. Lord, it'd just be a great thing to see or hear about somebody getting saved. And uh, Lord, you know uh, the physical needs. Lord, continue to touch uh, Brother Thomas. Lord, we think of Sister uh, Carpenter and uh, Pam and Sonny and uh, uh, Lisa and Sister uh, Sarah and Sister Margaret and others, dear God. Please touch them, Lord, those with uh, uh, financial, looking for jobs or uh, maybe uh, need uh, help with something particular, our young people uh, in school. And then, Lord, as we meet together today around the Word of God, Lord, we're so glad that we have the Word of God uh, to uh, work in our lives, uh, to give us what we need just to keep on keeping on, uh, to deal with us where we need to be uh, dealt with, uh, to give us wisdom and guidance where we need that, and, uh, Lord, just to help us uh, uh, keep our focus where it needs to be. So, Lord, as we look at this portion of Scripture, our desire is that Jesus Christ of all would be glorified. Uh, Dear God, that you would uh, build your church. Dear Lord, and just have your way in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Actually, what got me uh, thinking uh, about uh, uh, this was uh, something that was on my heart uh, this week in verse 3, but I'm just going to go ahead and do all all verses 1, 2, and 3 in so as we begin here, of course, uh, you know these verses, it talks about the race, the race. And it says here in verse 1, wherefore sing we also. Now, again, uh, he, he's writing here, the writer, and no doubt we also refers to him and them that he's talking to you right there. But we also would include this generation. 
uh, because the, when he talks about that cloud of witnesses, those people are still there, amen? <laughs> so they're there to uh, give us uh, encouragement in our generation. And again, it talks about we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, if you remember, uh, when we looked at that thought of witness the other day, and of course here, witnesses refers to those that, all those that were just mentioned. And uh, in chapter 11, that great uh, uh, hall of faith there, chapter 11 of Hebrews, a reference to them, uh, that are mentioned. But uh, remember uh, our definition of, of witness that we gave recently, one who has information, one who can give information, one who can confirm information. So as I look at that word witnesses here in this context, I think it's referring again to all those mentioned, uh, Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and Samuel and everyone else there in chapter 11. And I think it's telling us that these witnesses can confirm, amen, that they are there to confirm that faith works, amen. I'm glad uh, they're there to encourage us that, hey, keep on going. I want you to know, hey, we made it up here, amen, and we want you to know you can live that life of faith. Faith works. And also that we can confirm that God is faithful. Hey, it doesn't matter. You look at what all these people were going through. And boy, I mean, they went through some things we'll never go through. And uh, maybe some of, us have, some of us have gone through some serious uh, uh, things. But they're here to say, hey, listen, uh, faith works and God is faithful. And we want you to know we're up here to confirm that. And uh, you know what? Everyone that you know in heaven has been added to this uh, witnesses, boy, if mom's up there, she's saying, hey, hey, I want, mom wants you to know that faith works. God is faithful. And others that have gone on before you, they are there to encourage you. So they said, hey, what they're telling you is, listen, the race is worth running. Amen. Hey, listen, uh, I'm not in heaven yet, but after 35 years of running this race, I want to say, hey, I want to add my name to that list that the race is worth running. And so, but listen, if you're going to run this race, there are some requirements to having a good race. Hey, I don't know if you ever ran track, but hey, I had some good races. I had some not so good races. I, for a while, I felt like uh, the only reason they put me in the race was so they knew who was going to lose. Hey, Amen. <laughs> Glad I got a few of those uh, uh, blue ribbons because nobody else showed up. Well, I don't want to get into that, but I uh, don't need to know that information. Just know I won the blue ribbon, right? And so it talks about here how to have a, a good race. If we're going to have a good race, what? We need to what? Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, we see that word sin. Hey, we know that's wrong, right? We know uh, sin is wrong. Then I have to go deep into that. You know if there's something in your life that you need to confess or you need to uh, get right. But, boy, it's, it's that weight that sort of uh, can throw us off a little bit, right? Because a weight in itself may not be wrong, Right? A weight in itself may not be wrong, but becomes wrong when we let it hinder our race, when we let it hinder our moving forward for Christ. Now, you know a lot of people that, that, that work out and even that, that run. They run with weights, right, in the training. But they certainly would not use them in the race. <laughs> they say, listen, now it's time to uh, 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 get serious here. Hey, I need to lay these aside because I want to be able to, now I'm, I'm in, in my race and I want to be able to be, do the best I can in this race. So they set those things aside. 
So do you see uh, any sin you need to confess today? Do you see anything that maybe you think, well, in itself it may not be bad, but hey, for some reason it's holding you back and it's hindering you. Or we might say uh, it's uh, not allowing you to move forward or you're letting it stop you from moving forward. So we might say it this way, what is the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, that is making you wait, W-A-I-T, right? What is the weight? Sorry, last week, right? I had flee the flea. Okay, this week I got. What is the weight, amen, that is making you wait? Something to think about. And it says, right, that we might run with patience. And, of course, if you've ever run long distance, anybody ever here run long distance uh, a track? <laughs> yeah, I remember, uh, man, now the bad thing was our long distance uh, coach, he was a real runner. I mean, this guy was the real deal. So uh, training for him, right, was uh, go out and do a 10-mile run and then a two-mile warm down. I thought the two miles was the run, amen? That was the warm down uh, with him. So you know that it takes patience if you run long distance. Now, I like this uh, definition of patience. Patience is that quality of character, and that's what we want. When it comes to our character, we want to have quality in our character. It's that quality of character which does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb to trial, right? That means it, it, it talks about this, even though you're under trial or a testing, there's constancy, if you will, amen, under suffering. There's constancy. In other words, amen, you maintain. You're the same person you were when everything's going bad as you were when everything's going good. And if, you, if, 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 if you're not, Hey, I'm, I'm not saying things don't happen, but you understand what I'm, I'm, I'm saying there. Hey, then you need to, you know, any, anybody can shout when things are going good, right? Now, that doesn't mean something's going on that we're necessarily going to be doing backflips, amen, and all that. But hey, but in your heart, in your heart, you're still trusting. In your heart, you still have peace. And so there's constantly under suffering, right, in faith and duty, 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says this, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and here it is, and patience of hope. Patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. I like this verse. Hebrews 10.36 says, For ye have need of patience. Huh? Did anybody have need of patience this week? Or anybody have need of patience? Right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see those hands. Hallelujah, amen. I see that hand over there. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Sister Pam's just going, oh, me. Don't even go there, right? Yes, need of patience. That after you have, look at this, done the will of God. That's what we want. That's what the race is, amen. You might receive the promise. And so notice again, verse 1, Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, notice these two words, let us lay aside every wheat and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us, notice that term, let us, let us. Hey, it's a voluntary, amen? It's voluntary. Listen, uh, God says, hey, uh, 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 God doesn't want us to be robots, but amen, with, 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 we will gladly volunteer, amen, to be in his will and do his service. So that first one talks about being in the race. 
I love this uh, a story I came uh, uh, across recently. Now, some of you might remember it. I was only four when it happened. Don't know if I was one. Some of you might remember this. But uh, I want to read this story to you. I think it's a great uh, encouragement. In October, on an October evening in 1968, a group of diehard spectators remained in Mexico City's Olympic Stadium to see the last finishers of the Olympic marathon. More than an hour before, uh, if I pronounce this right, uh, Mamo Wode of Ethiopia had won the race to the exuberant cheers of onlookers. But as the crowd watched and waited for the last participants, it was getting cool and dark. It looked as if the last runners were finished. So the remaining spectators were breaking up and leaving when suddenly they heard the sounds of sirens and police whistles coming from the marathon gate into the stadium. And as everyone watched, one last runner made his way onto the track for the last lap of the 26-mile race. It was John Stephan Akwari from Tanzania. As he ran the 400-meter circuit, people could see that his leg was bandaged and bleeding. He had fallen and injured it during the race, but he hadn't let it stop him. The people in the stadium rose and applauded until he reached the finish line. As he hobbled away, he was asked why he did not quit. Injured as he was, why didn't you quit? and having no chance of winning a medal. And he made, this is the statement. Listen to what he said. My country did not send me to Mexico City to start a race. They sent me to finish the race. Hey, they sent me to finish the race. Aquari looked beyond the pain of the moment and kept his eye on the big picture of why he was there. And as you run your Christian life's race, keep in mind that your goal is to finish the race. Listen, God did not save you and leave you here to start a race. God saved you and he left you here to finish the race. Come what may, amen. I will not quit. I'll keep going. Hey, a starting a race is easy. Listen, we know, listen, as men, we know starting projects around the house is easy. It's finishing those projects, right? Oh boy, I just got amen from all the ladies there, right? But listen, but listen, God sent us here not just to start, but he sent us here to finish, amen. And he wants to help us finish. So we need to purpose, be more than just a racer, we're going to be a finisher. Hey, you may not come in first, but listen, you can finish the race by the help of God. And verses two and three give us some encouragement of how to do that. So in verse one, we see the race, but thank God in verse two, we see his face. Amen. And that's what we want to keep our eyes on. Look at this, looking where unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see his face. That word author, of course, he's the originator. He's the initiator of our faith. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath began, 
right? He began that good work in you, and he will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Not only is he the initiator, right, the starter, he's the finisher. He's the completer. He's the perfecter. Turn over to Galatians uh, 2.20. I know most of you could quote that verse. And, of course, I won't uh, put Sister McLean on the spot again like last week, right? She's probably going over through her head right now. But this is, let me show you what makes this such a great verse. What we need to remember, Galatians 2.20, look at it together. Of course, we know this, I am crucified with Christ. <laughs> Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ <laughs> liveth in me. And the life which I now live, you see that statement? The life which I now live, could we say it this way? The race which I now run. The life which I now live, the race which I now run, I live in the flesh, or I run in the flesh, however you want to say that. I live by the faith. What's that next word? Of. The faith of. The, it doesn't say the faith in the Son of God. How did you get saved? You put your faith in the Son of God. That's how you got saved. But how do you live this life? I live my life. Listen, not only, amen, did he give his life for me so I could be saved, but he also gives me his faith, amen, to help me live the life that he purchased for me. It's the faith of the Son of God. And so listen, I, listen, not only do I not have to put my trust in myself to be saved, I don't even have to put my trust, if you will, in my own weak faith. Like the one said, Lord, I believe Help thou my unbelief. How? By giving me some of your faith. Amen. Lord, give me your faith by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, one of my favorite verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He will do it. Amen. He started this thing. He, listen, he doesn't just start saying whatever he starts, he's gonna finish. Amen. Uh, that's what shows that he was a perfect man. Right, ladies, sorry, there was only one perfect man. He finished everything that he started, right? I know the rest of us are working on that, amen, trying to finish everything that we start. But all the men are going, get off that subject, get off that subject. You know them guys that come in. I remember a missionary in Bulgaria. He was single, of course. And every time he came over, right, Brother Richard turned out to be a great missionary. I'm glad he finally got married, so he found out, amen, some reality there because he always walked around with his little toolbox, and he'd cut all, you know, and so we felt sorry for him. So all this married guys would have him over for dinner, and he always brought his toolbox. Oh, uh, Mr. Sonso, is there anything I can do for you? Oh, Mr. Stewart, is there anything I can do for you? Oh, oh, I'll take care of you, Mr. Stewart. And we're like, Richard, you done eating? <laughs> you can go home now, right? You know, he always had his toolbox. He was always finishing up things around the house for people. He is a, he is a nice guy. He became a great uh, missionary, but he, was a, he, he finished, right? But Jesus is a finisher. And he started our faith. He'll finish our faith. Amen. And everything, he's there to help us. He, he will do it. But not only is a, he's the starter and he's the finisher. Hey, we started. We got to get to the finish line. But the Bible also teaches us, even though it's not in this verse, that he's the sustainer. He's the sustainer. Jude 1, 24. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So thank God, amen, we can finish the race. Why? Because he is going to finish what he started in us and what he started through us. He will help us finish. And what did he do? It says he endured. There's word. It goes right along with patience. He endured the cross. That word endured means to continue when the going gets tough. And that's what God wants to give us the faith to do. He wants to give us the wisdom to do. He wants to give us the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit to do. Amen. To keep going when things get tough. Now, listen, he had some obstacles himself. He says he despised the shame. Right? I've used this verse a lot, and it shows us what? You may not like everything God brings into your life, but you can trust him with it. That means that word despise literally means to hold in contempt, to hold in contempt. You see, but thank God what he looked past that, right? The joy that was set before him. And listen, one of the things that, of the joy was what? Being back with the Father, that soon he was going to be sitting back down at the right hand of the Father. He was going to be taking his place there. But not only, not only was that a joy before him, but I believe you were a joy before him. He saw you. He knew it was worth it because he saw you, amen, that day, that day in 1953, amen, uh, that day in 1970-something, uh, that day in 1980-something, that day in 1990-something, that day in 1960-something, whatever it was, he saw you. He already, man, he knows beginning to end, he saw you putting your trust in his death, burial, and resurrection, and shed blood. And you know what? When he saw you bow, when he saw you confess, when he saw you repent, when he saw you take that faith that you got from the word, amen, that you heard, and put it in him, that brought joy to his heart. And I'm here, listen, if you're not saved today, if you're listening or you're here, you can bring joy to the heart of God by putting your trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the joy that was set before him. And so here's the great thing. Listen, uh, as he went to that cross, he endured because he looked at the joy that was set before him. And how, how, we, how can we endure the race? How can we keep going? Hey, no doubt, we've, we've had things in our life that we despise. We had things in our life that we wish would have never happened. But you see, when he was going, the joy that was set before him was us. Now it's us that have to endure. And the joy that I set before us is him. You see, when he was going, he was looking at us. And he said, I can endure because I'm looking, amen? I'm looking at Brother Mark. I'm looking at Sister Judy. I'm looking at Sister Pam. I'm looking. And as he looked at us, he kept his eyes on us. He was able to endure. Now we have the reverse. As we keep our eyes on him, amen, and the joy, amen, he is our joy. What a day that will be when my say, oh, what joy it'll be. When we stand before Jesus, what joy it'll be when we gather around the throne. What joy it'll be as we meet from here to there. Oh, what joy that's going to be. And that joy is set before us and we focus on him. And so we can endure, even though there might be things we despise, we can endure, amen, as we keep going with our eyes on him. Because keeping our eyes on Jesus, here's what it does. It strengthens our heavenly affections 
but subdues our earthly desires. And that's what needs to happen, right? Our, our earthly desires, boy, the desires of this old flesh need to be subdued. And our desires for the things of God need to be strengthened. And keeping our eyes on Jesus will help that happen. It helps strengthen our heavenly affections and subdue our earthly desires. You see, there's, and listen, it says look. There's not much easier than looking. Hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. We do all the Hey, look at that. That's easy. Look at that. Oh, hold on a second. I'm, I'm trying. You just go, okay. Looking is easy. And that's all he's saying. Look. He made it easy. Psalm uh, uh, 16.8 says this. I have set the Lord always before me. That's the best thing. Just set him all, no matter what's going on, just keep him before you. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Isn't that a good thing? Hey, where's the father? I mean, where's Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. Well, hey, the Father ain't got nothing on me. He's at my right hand too. Amen. Think about that. Well, hey, listen, if you're excited about him being at the right hand of the Father, you can be excited that he's at your right hand as well, and he's there to sustain you. All right, I'm going to throw a word out there. All right, trivia, trivia question, right? I'm, I might uh, I don't know if I've ever asked this one before. Who knows what heliotropism is? Heliotropism, right? Who knows what that is? Come on. Come on. No time to Google. Put your heads up. Right? What is it? Listen. All right. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. I love this. It's the habit of plants to face or move in the direction of the sun. That's what that's called. Right? You see that, that plant? There's a word for that. Of course there is. There's people that live a boring life that sit around and figure words like that out. Amen? And uh, they can think them up, and I can't hardly say them. But amen. Thank God we have it. You know, right? The, the daisy, right? The daisy, right? It follows the sun. Now, of course, usually when we think of that, we think of what? The sunflower. But do you realize, I thought this was pretty interesting, right? The sunflower, it only follows the sun when it's, when it's young or when maturing, however you say it about flowers, and once it's a mature flower, do you know it stops following the sun? And it only faces one direction, eastward. I thought that was pretty good. You know what made that think about? That made me think about senior saints. Hey, their whole life, as they've been growing up, right? They've been following Jesus. They've been keeping their eyes on Jesus. They're just keeping their eyes on Jesus, walking through life, keeping their eyes on Jesus. And now they can see the, they can see the end coming. They're nearing the end, right? They're nearing the end. And you know what they want to do? They just want to keep their eyes eastward. Even so, come Lord Jesus, amen? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Boy, I sure wish you'd come today. Boy, listen, listen, if, if you're going to stop moving your head, the best place to look is eastward. Boy, it's amazing what you can learn uh, uh, from a flower, but I thought that was pretty good. Hey, if you're, listen, if you, if you're not, if you can't sit there and just keep following like this, hey, be like this, just keep looking eastward. Say, that's, why are you looking that way? Because that's the direction he's coming from. That's the direction he's coming from. Hey, as I live my life, I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. No matter what I'm going through, as life turns this way and life turns that way, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. And then when I get near the end, amen, and I know it's getting close to him, coming to get me, either, amen, by way of the sky or uh, through the gate, however he wants to do it, amen. I just want to keep looking 
for him whatever I am doing. What a great example that is for us. Amen. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep looking up. He's coming soon. As we go through life, we just want to keep going and growing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews eleven twenty seven, talking about those witnesses. It says this about Moses, one of those great witnesses. In Hebrews eleven twenty seven, a great verse says this. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. It says what? Jesus endured the cross, and Moses endured. And how did he endure? He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Isn't that amazing what faith can do? Over, over I think it's in Peter says, whom having never seen you love. You see, that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the word of God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It can help you love somebody you've never seen, and it can help you see somebody that can't be seen on this side, if you will. That's the power of faith, seeing him who is invisible. What a wonderful thought that is. But let's get to verse through, verse three, verse three, and we'll be through. That's a good verse, right? Let's go to verse 3. We kiss we'll be through it, verse 3. So we can call it verse 3 too. All right, verse 3 says this. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied in faith in your mind. This is really the verse that was upon my, upon my heart. Uh, so uh, look at this verse again. Now we talked about looking, right? So we're running the race. And we're looking at him, but we still have to get through the race. So look what it says. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You see, in verse 1, we saw the race. Verse 2, we saw his face. But in verse 3, I put this place. Because this is what we have to deal with in this place. As long as we're on earth, you know what we're going to have to deal with? The contradiction of sinners. The contradiction of sinners. We're going to have to face that. Consider him. That word consider means this. That is an exercise of the mind, right? When you consider things, you do it with your mind, right? It means to, it means to compute by comparisons, right? It's a, it's a mathematical term, right, Abby? Right? It's a mathematical term. Right? And so I was just trying to find somebody that likes math. Right? It's a mathematical term. So when life gets you down, this is what you have to do. Consider or compute, if you will. Compare what you were going through to what he went through. That's what you do. When you're going through something, right, you consider. You consider what he went through on your behalf, and then you compare it with what you're going through on his behalf, if you will. Compare what you're going through with what he went through for you. You see, when you were born, the devil began to wage war on your soul, right? The devil began to wage war on your soul. But once you got saved, right, the devil realized he had lost the battle for your soul. So now the rest of the time you're down here, he, he's waging the battle for your mind. The battle is in the mind. He knows he can't get your soul, but boy, as much as time as he can get keeping your mind sidetracked, he's glad to do it. He wants to keep your mind down and discouraged. That's where the devil wants to keep your mind, right? 
He wants to keep you down and discouraged. Why? Because you're not focusing on the things of God. You're not focusing on uh, uh, what you can do today to glorify him. Your mind's down. Look, look, look at this. This week I had to I had to deal with the, the, the contradiction of sinners. And it's got my mind sidetracked. Notice that he endured such contradiction. That word contradiction means this, every kind of opposition, right? You're going to have to endure that opposition of sinners. In this life, we have to endure the opposition of sinners, whether by words, whether by reproaches, whether by an attempt to defeat us. Does any of that sound familiar? Anybody had to deal with the contradiction of sinners lately? Hey, they said something about you or they, they did something against you or they brought a reproach against you, right? The contradiction of sinners. As you read through the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, notice, right? As you read through the Gospels, you can see all he endured. Verse 2 talks about he endured the cross, but you know, before he got to the cross, he endured a lot of things. He endured a lot of things as he walked this earth. He endured the contradiction of sinners. So he endured from others before the contradiction and things he endured from others before he went to Calvary. Now, we may not have to endure the cross, right? Hey, he went to the cross. So, hey, thank God. Hey, I'm glad that I don't have to worry about anybody nailing my hands and my feet. I don't have to worry about them doing that as far as I know. Chances are none of us are going to have to endure the cross. But the reality is all of us, or at least most of us in life, are going to have to endure the contradiction of sinners. Right? The, the, the cross, he did that on our behalf. But, it's the, but the, in doing the contradiction of sinners, amen, is what we have to get through and, of course, rely upon him. It says this in one time when he had to deal with the contradiction of sinners. In Mark 14, verses 57, it says this, beginning there, it says, And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together, right? Contradiction of sinners. So do not be surprised when you are falsely accused, when you are mistreated. And what do we do? Listen, has anybody had everything, say anything about them that wasn't true since you've been saved? Has anybody had anything do against them wrongly uh, since they've been saved? I know I have. I've had to deal with a lot. And there was, a lot, sometimes it was from the brethren. And, and, and how do we respond? I'm innocent. I'm innocent. It's not fair. I know I'm innocent. And see, when you're sitting there and you just endured the contradiction of sinners and you know what happened wasn't right and you're sitting there going, I'm innocent, what's the best thing you can do? Look unto Jesus and see how he endured the cross. Look unto Jesus and see how he endured contradiction of sinners and ask yourself, who was more innocent than the Lord Jesus Christ? There's never been anyone more innocent than the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he, they were doing that, he said, what? He opened on his mouth, amen? But he kept marching forward, trusting, amen, what his heavenly father was allowing in his life. Who was more innocent? 
So that's why, and that's what kept me going. Boy, I, people did this and people did that, and it, it cost me a, a lot of pain. It cost me a lot of time and interruption in my life. You know, here I, here I, here, you know, here I was uh, over here. The next thing you know, what, what, what was my life's pursuit, I thought, right? Suddenly I'm somewhere else. Suddenly I'm having to make uh, uh, different plans. Was that fun? And then, you know, I'm dragging, got to drive my wife and three kids. No. But thank God, by his grace, hopefully I kept my eyes on Jesus Christ, amen, and trusted him as I was dealing with the contradiction, amen, of this old world, keeping our eyes on Jesus and realize, hey, nobody was more innocent than him. Something interesting here, kind of interesting, we have a uh, missionaries from Africa. I, I just told one story about some Africans. And here's another interesting, uh, uh, as I was reading this, it made me think about, about this. At the, at the southern tip of Africa, two great oceans collide, right? At the southern tip of Africa, two great oceans collide. Who, who knows what? Raise your hand. Who knows what oceans they are? What two great oceans collide? At the, Benjamin. Right, the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean, right? And so there the waters are rough. There the waters are dangerous for sailors of the sea. And in this area of Africa, you will find two great capes, right? In the most southern, in the most southern spot, you will find that that marks the spot where the, where the two spots actually physically are considered to collide, if you will, there's Cape Algahus. Did I pronounce that correctly? If I pronounce it right, Cape Algahus. And I thought this was interesting. That means, does anybody know what that means? It means the Cape of Needles. It means the Cape of Needles. I just thought this was amazing. And the reason it's called the Cape of Needles, now if you know anything about maps, now I can only think of a military map, on a military map, there's three norths. There's grid north, which applies only to that square section you're looking at. Then there's magnetic north, which applies where, you, where if you were in this, uh, in this spot shown on the map and you threw your compass, right? I don't know if you know this, but the, 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 the magnetic force that connects your compass is, is a magnetic force in the Queen Islands of Canada, right? So that's where your compass goes, right? And then there's true north, where if you follow that line, you probably, that's where you end up at the true north of the earth. So you have grid north, magnetic north, right? And true north. Now, the ones we really only consider the effect is a really magnetic north and true north. And the reason this is called the place of the needles is because most places where you go, if you look at a map, I remember looking at military maps, and it say, okay, magnetic north is this way right? And true north is this way. So they, they aim towards two different spots. This was true north. This was magnetic north. But down there in the place of the needles, when you throw your compass, they say, that's where the needles line up. That, the, and that spot, magnetic north, lines up with true north. Now, I think that's interesting that the place where the pull of the world and true north line up is in the place where two great oceans meet, a place that is known, right, for violent waves and known for storms. 
And, and I, I just, amazing how God puts that together. And then it may, here's what it made me think about as I thought about this, you know, this uh, 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 dealing with the contradiction of sinners. You know, God has put us on this earth, and you know, we live in a place where two great wills collide. Two great wills collide. God's will and our will. God's will and our will. And what is God's desire? God's desire is that those two needles line up. God's will is that those two needles line up. That you see, this is the right way. This is the true north. This will get you there. It's the right way. You know, but we want to be over here. You see, that magnetic, that pull of the world wants to pull us over here. So God wants to get us in a spot where the two needles line up, where our will is lined up with his will. And you know what it requires? That requires storms. That requires rough waves. That requires the contradiction, enduring the contradiction of sinners and enduring what God allows life to bring our way because his desire, amen, is, uh, is for his glory, of course, and we know, and your benefit, and for, his, for those two needles to line up, amen, he's got to get you in a place, right, where they come together, amen, and can work in your life and break you down and build you up, amen, and do what it takes for those two needles to line up in your life. We live in that place. God allows us to go through these things. Turn over to Acts 27, all right? So that's all right. The Methodists already beat you to lunch, so if we speak a little bit longer, they'll be done by the time you get there, all right? So since we're here, turn over to Acts 27, and notice here, you know this great story about the great storm here in Acts 27. Notice verses 27, uh, Acts 27, notice verses 22 through 25, just to look at these, right? It says this, And I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, look at this, be of good cheer. I believe God. I believe God. What? That it shall be even as it was told me. Listen, I want to lift up the word of God and say, I believe God. And it shall be even as it was told me in the word of God. So let's jump down to verse 40. For sake of time, we know they get in the shipwreck and notice something. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed their rudders and hoised up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. Now look at verse 41. And falling into a place where what? Two seas met. Falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and four parts stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of waves. 
And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they should, look at this, swim, right? They which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. Then verse 44, and the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Did you catch that? Some swam, some on boards, some on broken pieces of ship. But how's it end? All safe, all safe, all safe. What did Paul say? God told him everybody's going to make it. And he said, I believe God. So here's the thing. God has promised you you're going to make it. (laughs) Hey, guess what? You're going to make it. Nothing can stop you from making it. Now, he promised you were going to make it. What he didn't promise was how. (laughs) He didn't promise, amen, whether 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 you were going to have smooth sailing or whether you were going to have to swim (laughs) or whether you were just going to be on a board, amen. Hey, listen, I don't mind clinging to the board, amen, (laughs) cling to the cross. I don't mind floating in on the cross, amen. That would be all right. So listen, he promised you would make it, but he didn't promise how you would make it. But you will make it. Listen, I know we wish life was mostly smooth sailing. We could probably use some of that, amen, for a little while. But it's not. It's not. But that's okay. But that's okay. Looking unto Jesus, he that endured the cross, he that endured the contradiction of sinners, amen, keeping our eyes on him. And if, and if you can't, then just look eastward, <laughs> amen. If you can't, then just look eastward. But here's, here's another exciting thing. At that, at that tip of Africa, where those two great oceans collide, we, we just found out, right, there's that one cape, the Cape of Needles, where they line up. But just up the coast from Cape Algalahus, on the Atlantic side, you will find a much larger cape, which includes a safe haven for travelers of the sea, and who knows the name? of that cape, the cape of good hope, (laughs) the cape of good hope. So, hey, if you'll just, if you'll just keep moving in the right direction, if you'll let the Lord, amen, if you'll let those needles line up and if you'll just keep moving in the right direction and make it through the stormy seas and just keep on sailing, the next thing you look up and you say, hey, I see something across the horizon. It's getting bigger and it's getting brighter, amen? And the next thing you know, the old ship of Zion will be pulling in, amen, to the Cape of Good Hope, amen? And everything will be all right. So, Lord, help me to weather the storm. Help me to uh, weather the wild seas. Lord, help the needles to line up in my life and keep going in the right direction and keep staying in your will. And, Lord, amen, I'm trusting you, amen? Whether I, whether I stay on the ship, 
whether I got to jump in, <laughs> whether I just got to keep clinging to the cross, whatever it takes, Lord, I know that you'll get me there, amen. One day we'll be looking around. And, and right now we're watching each other trying to fight those stormy seas. Oh, I imagine is, is oh, hey, did so make it? Yeah, that's him on that piece of wood. Oh, did you, yeah, that's her over on that piece of wood. Yeah, yeah, the old man, they got the whole family on that piece of wood. Hey, but that's all right. We'll see each other sort of floating around, bobbing up and down as we go along in this old world. But day one day we'll look up and we'll turn around and say, hey, we're all safe. We're all safe. There's a, a Brother Burgess. There's Brother Wood. Hey, everybody, we're going to make it all safe. Don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. So he endured the cross. And while we're down here, we're like him, right? We're going to have to endure the contradiction of sinners. But listen, we can trust him. We can rest in him. Everything's going to be all right. God will take you from storms because here's what's interesting. Did you know the Cape of Good Hope used to have another name? It was originally called the Cape of Storms. <laughs> I thought that was interesting, too. It was called the Cape of Storms. And they said, oh, no, we're going to call this the Cape of Good Hope. And so, listen, right down here, right, you're living in the Cape of Storms. And one day he said, hey, I think it's time to switch you over to the Cape of Hope. Amen. We're going to change. We're going to change everything and make it better. So here, everything around me, but here's the thing, everything around me may be going down, but that's all right because nothing can stop me and nothing can stop you from going up. Amen. And so whatever happens, we trust him. Verse 3 says what? Lest ye be, lest you be. You see, considering what he endured for us, again, helps us endure what we go through for him. 1 Peter 4, as we finish up here, 1 Peter 4, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of this time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. It says, hey, you know what happened? Those needles line up. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. And where does his steps? They go right through the contradiction of sinners. So, conclusion, as long as we are in this place, we are going to have to face the contradiction of sinners. But if we keep, we can, but we can make it through this place, and we can stay in the race if we keep our eyes on his face.